My name is Zakir Muhammad, and you are listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. This weekly podcast features women of purpose sharing stories of resilience. They are wives, artists, entrepreneurs, they run businesses, and here they will share their stories of how they overcame obstacles and how they're juggling it all. If you're ready to learn about professionalism, entrepreneurship, business, travel, life, and love, you're in the right place. You will hear real and raw stories of survival. Now it's your turn to be inspired to step outside of your own comfort zone. I am a cancer survivor, brand cultivating strategist, world traveler, and a professional photographer. I'm your host of the Living Legacy Podcast. Let's get into it. In today's episode, I have the honor of interviewing Heidi Lua. For almost 20 years, Heidi has worked with artists of all creative genres. She started her own clothing line at a very young age, which is how she kind of earned her business stripes. Three months after graduating high school, she moved to LA and she ate chili beans and rice cakes to sustain herself. She managed a small team at a retail suit store and was one of the youngest managers in the company. She also balanced additional jobs as a maid and a cocktail server. One day, a customer for Tuxedo Rancho was giving her the opportunity to work at a fashion showroom. And that started the years of experience with Raw Artist. So she started Raw Artist, which is a US-based, multi-faceted, independent artist organization that brings together artists from music, visual arts, fashion, film, photography, you name it. It's now in over 80 cities around the world, including Nashville, Tennessee. And as of 2019, she released a book. As of 10 years celebrating raw artists, she released a book called The Work of Art, which is a no-nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. It's an honest, essential guide for turning your creative work into a thriving business. Heidi shares her own personal stories, experiences, and mistakes to demonstrate key lessons for creative, including patience, persistence, and the best practices. So without further ado, please welcome Heidi, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for that great intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I said it all, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was that one straw that really inspired you to start Raw Artist? So, I, as you said, I started my own clothing line at a very young age, and I was trying to market myself in any way that I could. And the only way that I knew how to do it then, and this is, we're talking 2004. So there wasn't a lot of these art collectives that had kind of organically come together and popped up everywhere. The only place that I knew uh, to showcase was at a swap meet. So I found a local swap meet and started popping up my booth there and realizing it's not really my demographic. (laughs) You know, most people are going to bargain hunts and find cheap furniture or antiques or, you know, even fruits and vegetables. And having kind of a new concept clothing line there wasn't really the thing. So um, I decided I had friends that were artists, I had friends that were musicians, and we all kind of echoed each other's, you know, frustrations with there wasn't a platform or anywhere to go showcase where you could go direct to young, interested, artistic consumers. And so I decided to, it really started there. It started with my clothing line and my own need, as well as my friends' needs to showcase their work. So 
that's kind of that was the impetus for it and then it organically snowballed from there because i had zero clue i thought it was just going to be a one-time show so i decided to put on a show in 2005. Um, it was a different name that wasn't necessarily a raw showcase but it was a, an art showcase that i ran for three years and it was fashion music and art and with the first show came a wave of people that just wanted to participate in this non-existent next show <laughs> and i had no clue that there was such a such a hunger beyond just me and kind of my circle of friends so that's really how it kind of started it was an accident <laughs> i love it though but i love how it just kind of manifested into something that's not so popular that actually a lot of people wanted a lot of people needed especially women yeah had no idea had no idea speaking of evolving because you had to really evolve from it's something so small that was simply an idea how did you evolve over the past 10 years what was the key thing that you say helped you to really evolve oh wow so many things <laughs> so i ran that show for three years and then after that i had a pretty gnarly split with a partner um, and so we went our separate directions and I kind of went into the corporate wor world and did a lot of things and was a freelance event producer, which I didn't even know. I guess I had a knack for that. And a lot of people came to me after seeing the, the art showcases that I was putting on and I put on film premieres and I put on, on concerts and album launches. And so I was still like in creative events. Um, but it wasn't my ultimate passion. My ultimate passion was to create this platform. So I had a whole lot of missteps throughout that, that portion of my life where I tried different things and tried my own production company and every step, whether it was good or bad, definitely had an evolutionary air to it. I would say there's no one defining moment, but several small moments that kind of led me to say, okay, it's time. For me to wrap all this experience into raw um, and kind of start all over again from what i initially started years prior and uh go for it so over the last 10 years oh my goodness we have restructured our company a ton of different times just to get it right because like i said there's really no one who does what we do on the level that we do it um so there isn't a comparable company where we can be like, oh, we're going to do it like these guys did it, or we're going to do it like that company did it, because there's really nothing to follow. There's no roadmap. There's nothing. <laughs> so we're inventing it as we go and learning, you know, through trial and error, what works, what doesn't work, what's great, what isn't so great, and kind of, you know, molding it um, as we go through the process. So. It has definitely been an evolution. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I love that. And it's definitely one of a kind because the first time I found out about it was from a friend who was super excited about having her work in a showcase. And she got to um, get it featured in a Miami um, showcase. She was like, please come, please come, it's so exciting. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, that's great to hear. So let's see, aside from hands-on experience, there's a lot of hands-on experience, there's a lot of experiences that you literally had to grow through i like to say you have to grow through what you go through so what really inspired you to release the book 
That's a great question. So I have worked with creatives, like you said, for almost 20 years, and I am one myself, and I have been through all these trials and tribulations, some of them my own making, some of them just from being naive, and others um, just kind of, I think it's par for the course when you're an entrepreneur. Um, and so I really decided that it was kind of time to start writing some of these lessons down <laughs> and some of the things I'd been through and kind of my story and being able to use that to be of beneficial service for other creative entrepreneurs because working with them, I see some of them making the same mistakes that I did or being really close to doing that. And I just want to kind of shake them and be like, don't do it. <laughs> so I felt it was kind of my duty uh, because it doesn't do me any good to just keep that information to myself to, to share this, you know, with our community and whomever is interested in reading it. So that was kind of the idea behind it. I started it about two years ago. I just started writing and um, putting, putting some ideas on paper and kind of my own personal philosophies and then from there, I hired um, just a, an editor here locally, she, just for, you know, to look at it and see if I even had anything. And she was like, you know, I think you have more than you think. And she kind of egged me on. And I, because I was planning for this to be like a free little ebook or something, nothing crazy. But again, that <laughs> snowballed and I, I'm an overachiever, so then of course I wanted to, I was like, okay, I guess I'm writing a book, then I'm writing a book, and spent the next year and a half like really honing it and trying to be as thoughtful as possible and making sure that I was providing, you know, advice and rehashing all my situations, and it was a really cathartic experience as well. So that's kind of how the book came to be. <laughs> yeah. Do you think manifestation has anything to do with all of your success is kind of snowballing. <laughs> yes, I think that um, success goes where you put, point your energy. And for me personally, I think it's a combination. Like I work really, really hard. It's not just, I'm not just wishing for it to happen. But I also have a spiritual element to myself where I affirm to myself that I want this to happen and therefore it will but also knowing that I need to kind of put in that work that goes along with it. And there's the, there are some miraculous things that happen when you are just working really hard and you're focused and you're honed on the right type of thing. And that thing, you know, is your truth and it's your passion. If you're working hard, you're consistent, you're persistent through all the different obstacles, but then you have another layer of kind of unwavering faith on top of that. I think you can move mountains that way. Was there anything that would initially stop you from launching? Are there any moments where you feel, I don't know about this, maybe I should take a step back? Oh yeah, tons. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say when we were launching, but throughout the process, you know, like I said, we learned a lot of things about and have adjusted our model and the way that we do things several times based on feedback, etc. In our early years, I think we were really misunderstood because our showcases are crowdfunded. So it's not really like other showcases where you pay a fee and then you pop up 
a booth. It's every artist, their buy-in is they sell tickets to be a part of the show. And we did that purposefully because a lot of artists don't have a ton of disposable income to pay for a space or a slot on a stage or something like that. Instead, we make it an educational experience where the artist can learn to self-promote because that's one of the biggest things you need to know as an artist is how to put yourself out there and promote yourself. And um, so I think early on in our career, crowdfunding wasn't even a word. No one even knew what that was. <laughs> it wasn't being talked about. And we didn't even call it that because it didn't exist, you know, but that was essentially what we've been doing since we started and I think that was misunderstood. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, you're just pay for play. And it's like, no, it's, this is a bigger community and it's made up of a lot of different people. The ticket sales are just a method to help you get your foot in the door and to help you learn how to self-promote. But, you know, some people didn't get that early on and caused some, some ruckus here and there. And it forced me to kind of look at it and be like, is this a problem? You know, because I didn't really get it. I didn't understand. I was like, this is exactly what me and my friends did in my first show when I was a fashion designer in 2005. We all pitched in money and we were able to make a bigger and better production rather than if I tried to do that on my own, it would cost me thousands of dollars. Who knows if anyone would even show up to see it, <laughs> um, if I would even break even. And so this is really like raw is about the power of collaboration. And so yeah, not everyone gets that off the bat or used to get it. I feel like more people totally understand it and they appreciate it now. They're like, great, I don't have to come out of pocket. Sweet. <laughs> I would say early on, that was something that I had to kind of like step back and evaluate, make sure like we we're doing the right thing. And to me, it seems, you know, I, I get why people had a negative reaction. Again, I think we we're a little ahead of our time in a weird way, but I don't, but that's not the majority. That's a small minority of people that feel that way. We have over 200,000 artists in our network and we've been running for 10 years. So certainly people find value in it. <laughs> yep, and it's working. It's working. <laughs> Raw Natural Born Artists is for artists by artists, located in all of North America and Australia. It is an arts organization that brings together independent artists in visual art, music, fashion, film, photography, and more. If you would like to receive tickets to the Nashville Showcase on December 4th, follow Living Legacy Podcast on Instagram to learn about the giveaway rules. What are about 10 things that you would say helped you on your journey, right? Right before you started, and I guess maybe up to now, 10 things, right? 10 years. Okay, let me see if I can count them off. <laughs> I, I tell everyone this, but number one is I think you need to be clear about what you want before you go and get it. So I was very clear on what I wanted. Having Raw grow to multiple cities was really important to me because I wanted not just to be local in LA, I wanted to form a national network. So it was very intentional. So I had a plan and I was very cognizant about what I wanted to do. Okay. And number two? <laughs> number two, I think is putting a plan in motion, like taking that first step. Some people get stuck in analysis paralysis and they just 
sit there planning forever, but they don't do anything about it. I think you got to do things. And even sometimes when you're not ready, you have to just go for it. <laughs> um, so that's number two is take action. Um, number three, I would say is reflect on that. So at least once a year, what I do besides just on a company level, also on a personal level, I take time right now, actually, I'm going to be doing this this weekend. Um, every October, I sit down and I write a list of everything that I want to accomplish in the following year. And then whether it's personal goals or artistic goals or company goals, I kind of lay everything out and then I kind of have a general idea of where I should be focusing my energy. Four is self-education. I read a ton of books. I still try to read. I read less than I used to, but I still... I read tons of business books, tons of management books, blogs, anything that I didn't know or felt that I needed to sharpen my skills on, I would read about it. Because I think that's a big thing that a lot of creatives don't uh, take into account too much. Like we have so many resources at our fingertips living in this generation. Anything that you want to know is out there, but you have to educate yourself on it. Number five. Five, I would say is get ready to sacrifice like everything. <laughs> if this is really what you want. I mean, unfortunately, you know, through my tenure in this company, it's I've sacrificed relationships. I've sacrificed my health at times. Um, I've had to come back and correct that, but I have sacrificed so much just to kind of um, push this forward and keep it running. And I think you need to mentally prepare yourself for that. Um, six, I mean, another thing that I did was I spent a period of time where I was just sacrificing, but I was also like, I call it hibernation station. I just kind of shut everything out. Not that this is 100% for everyone, but I like moved far away. I, I moved into um, a garage, like for the second time. I've lived in a garage twice. <laughs> uh, kept my expenses real low um, and worked day and night for a period of time. And I think that's another thing is like that lockdown and create time when you're growing something uh, or you want to grow something. It's kind of, it's imperative because not in a competitive way, but if you worked on your creative project or endeavor or business, just nine to five, Monday through Friday, compared to somebody who's working on it eight to 10 PM, you're going to be in a much different spot. The, you will be in a different spot than the person that's working more and longer after a six month stint, for instance. Number seven is learning how to hire properly. That should be number two. <laughs> that, that should, yeah, yeah, I really should. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I did, but uh, who you let into your team and into your company is really um, can impact or hinder you in a good or bad way, respectively, like very much. <laughs> so you have to be really careful and use so much discretion. And that's something I wish I did differently at the beginning. I just didn't know and no one really told me that how important that was. It wasn't until I started reading business books. I was like, oh my goodness. Or, you know, 
having really tough relationships with some of the people that I had led into the company that I realized, oh, this is not a good relationship fit. Seven, and then eight, I would say, especially as you are getting into your business and if you want to hire employees or contractors or something of that nature, document your processes. This is something I wished I did way before because all of this was in my brain. I did have like a company handbook and things like that with kind of the operational stuff, but I should have made it really like much easier, like step one, <laughs> step two. <laughs> and I think that is really the key. You're, you're not going to grow. Um, you're only going to grow as large as you and as large as what you can handle. So you're going to have to rely on other people at certain points. And so the more that you document those processes, you can make sure that your mission and your, what you're trying to do is being fulfilled and you put some checks and balances in place to make sure that those things are happening. Nine, no one is going to do the work for you. <laughs> I used to think that people were, someone out there would come and save me. <laughs> or something or they were going to come into the organization and just do it better and be better and just like be I don't know the person I wasn't or could handle all the things that I couldn't and not true <laughs> no one's going to care as much about your business as you do and so I think the sooner that you come to terms with the fact that you are it no one's coming to save you if you want this do the work hone your craft do what you want that sounds like number 10, doing the work and owning your craft. Yes. Well, I, I'd say number 10 is being grateful. That's okay. the biggest one for me. Because I think owning a business is hard. Life is hard. <laughs> being a human being is hard. <laughs> being a woman is hard. Yeah. Being grateful and looking around at the privilege that you have for owning a business, for doing what you love, for it potentially paying your bills or just bringing you joy. I think it, that's really important is to not get lost in the minutia that is work, you know, because it, it, it is at any point, there's going to be all these different levels that you grow and go through. Um, so taking a moment to stop and being grateful and saying, look, what I'm able to do with my time and my life. Where have you traveled to? Now for me, when I want to hibernate, I go to an island or a country or something <laughs> where I can do that. So where have you traveled to? I have traveled a lot. Um, I don't travel as much anymore. When Rob was first starting, we did a nationwide road trip for three weeks where we went and visited 17 cities. So I've gotten to see the majority of the US and I've been lucky to do that. I've been to Canada, Australia several times. Personal travels, I, was, I went to Tokyo twice when I was younger. I actually lived in Australia for a year when I was in school in seventh grade. So I have family and friends there. And Raw is also located in Australia, Canada, and then Mexico as of last year. So I've been, I've been to all of those places. I still, there's a ton of traveling I still want to do. I want to do uh, South Africa as my next one. And then I want to do South America. Those, 
are the two main continents I haven't been to. The rest I've kind of like traveled around here or there. So is it a part of your goal, a fashion of your goal to visit any of the countries where our artist showcases are currently or planning to be? Yeah, yeah, definitely. When we when we started, like I said, we went to all of those cities. Um, for a couple years into the organization, before we launched, I would fly out there, I'd meet the staff. As we've gotten larger, that's been less practical. <laughs> I'm kind of strapped to my desk. But we have employees here that travel out to the showcases. We have a team of 65 here in our LA office, and they travel to different uh, raw showcases all over the country. And then we have an office in Sydney and in Toronto, and they have our, our master licensors, licensees there, have their own teams, and they kind of travel through the countries for their events. Well, I would definitely say that I'm grateful to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're so sweet. So before we go, please tell us where we can find you, your book, everything about you on the web. <laughs> you can find my book on Amazon. That's the quickest shipping. It's also on barnesandnoble.com, target.com, and a couple other. Um, basically anywhere online that books are sold, it's available in paperback, ebook, and um, audible. So there's an audiobook version if you're not much of a reader. Um, you can sign up for my personal mailing list on my website, which is HeidiLuera.com. And then if you're interested in being a part of RAW, you can go to rawartists.com, that's plural, and submit your work and we'll take a look at it and be in touch if it's a good fit and go from there. Well, and I'm definitely excited to um, talk about the Nashville, even provide, you know, tickets option for anyone who wants to go to the showcases. Yes, absolutely. We're, Nashville is a really great group of artists. The community there is so fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and download so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. That's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R dot com.